Hello. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you ready? Our election night extravaganza. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Is that today? How you been doing? Oh, I'm fine. You okay, Sarah, Sarah? Come see, come saw. Staying away from the TVs and the internets? No. Um, no. Well, you know, uh, election. We all know how that turned out. That was last week. Yeah. If, if you want, mm. to, want to talk about the midterm election, you should have mm. called in during the apocalyptic media episode. Seemed like uh, your wife didn't want you to be obsessing over a New York Times needles and uh, how'd you know that refreshing websites because she said so on Twitter. Oh, she did. Yeah, you should follow her. I do. I do. Oh no, she said something about me. Oh no, you live with her. You just ask. No, well, I knew that she was on full media blackout. I didn't want to say anything. Mm. Anyway. What did she say? Let's see. I'm looking at tweets and replies. Oh, she does go save our sanity. <sighs> yeah, no, it's all good. No, it's all fine. It's fine. It's fine. Mm. It's fine. I was mostly staying away. I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, I got things to do. I'm busy. You know, just are you? Your, your work, and I got, you know, making dinners. And yeah. Picking up kids and cleaning the dishes and walking the dog, mm-hmm. right? And then I was like, this is a gap time. It's like now a gap between that time and the time of the podcast. Now I have a a moment to myself, as they say. Yeah. And you think, why don't I look at the internet? Yeah. That was a mistake. Yeah. Well, because needles. Yeah. Yeah. The, the needles. The needles and... Uh, um. Hang on, let me fix my level here. Um, and, you know, the reality revealed through a communication medium. That was the main bummer. Oh, the reality part where you learn what's yeah, actually happening. Like, yeah, exactly. The, knowing what's happening. That's I think that's the key. Well, I haven't given it another thought. I mean, that election was, this is Thursday, so that was last mm. Tuesday already? <laughs> what? Yeah, so long ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a second ago on MSNBC, um, there were over 4 million votes in in Texas. And uh, the break between Beto and Cruz. 79. It was a very small number. <laughs> no, it was like 100 votes. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. As, as someone succinctly put it in my Twitter stream, stress vomiting intensifies. <laughs> Is that in brackets in the subtitles? <laughs> in asterisks. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's, what does one say? I mean, I have, uh, I, I'm not as full in on this as, as some people are, but like, it is a funny mix of, you know, the horse race is interesting to watch. Mm, um, I was trying no. to explain this to my daughter, why I was being such a pill this afternoon and watching MSNBC at such a strange time. And, you know, there are some things where I, I feel there's something very important that I want to have happen. Like Florida passed the reenfranchising felons uh, yep. amendment, which I think is a very good thing things like that. Um, there are definitely some people I would like to see win, but there are actually a handful of uh, races where I not only want this person to win, I also really don't want this other person to win. I want, I want mm. Ted Cruz to lose. I want, I want him to lose big. I want him, I want him to be just crying and eating soup. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is, you know. But it would be nice. It would have been nice. So we'll see. Whatever. Whatever. We got other things to talk about. We got all kinds of things to talk about. Can't talk about the election. Yeah. Yeah. That's so but long you sound ago. sad. You checked in. 
And I did. I shouldn't have. I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, I realized in, in, in retrospect, like, you know, there's tons of people are looking at this before it comes up. It's not like there's going to be some dramatic surprise. Like, it, I should have already, I should have been pre-sad. I should have, the sadness should have already been built into the price of me. Like, <laughs> we know it wasn't going to be some lopsided rebuke that it was, that it was basically going to be, uh, you know, we already knew. We already knew because the polls, the polls were not saying, oh, look at this, it's going to be a blowout. No, it's not the, what they were saying. And so if you know it's not going to be a blowout, you should already be depressed about the fact that it's not going to be a blowout. Mm-hmm. And so now this is just, I don't know. I guess I wasn't really. I guess I hadn't fully internalized uh, the the clear uh, situation, which was it's not going to be a blowout, right? And then it almost doesn't matter like which way it goes, like this way, that way. A it'll be bit it'll be absolutely be better than before. The frustrating part is people like me. One thing is like we're burnt out on hope. All the hope we get is always dashed, and so we try to make ourselves not hopeful, and then we allow a little hope. But, you know, reality intervenes and voter suppression intervenes and all this stuff intervenes. But, you know, I, I, there's something nobody likes to talk about or nobody wants to admit because it's, it's such a, it's such a, a liberal cliche at this point. But the last two years have been so excruciating because, yes, the campaign two years ago was excruciating, too. It was really, really bad. But the thing, um, ever since that guy got in office, and I, I don't feel proud about saying this, but I want a silver bullet. I want something to come along. <laughs> they, they will start revealing the lies and horribleness and will show that this country has, as one, put a stake in the ground to say that, wow, I can't believe we let this happen. Oh, Let's oh, fix it. No, 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 no. But listen, to I just want to finish my mm-hmm. mouth words. I know that's dumb. I real I've realized all along that's dumb, and I that's the thing though. When you when you uh, when one starts watching this in the afternoon, my time, early evening, your time, you're there's some part of your brain that goes, I wish this would be like a full across the board blowout. And if there was a polling error, I hope the a systematic polling error, as they say, I hope it's a systematic polling error that missed how many black and brown people and how many women were willing to stand in line for three hours, no matter what, and make everything change. But It'll be better, but it's not that. And I have to admit to my shame that that's what bugs me. Is I was really hoping for a wipeout. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, if there was going to be one, we would know it. We would have known it long before, long before the election, because that's the type of thing that doesn't hide. And, and I know what you're saying about systematic, you know, underrepresenting, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. people who answer the phone. Like, but that's just it's it, we're too we have too much. Uh, uh, we're too good at collecting this information now. That it's not going to hide some giant blow, but it was never. We always knew it was going to be a blow, and yet somehow I hadn't really, you know, hadn't really settled in exactly how. Like everything that's happened, if there is some sort of far enough thing that we haven't got there, and maybe there isn't a far enough. Like what has to happen for you know white people not to love racism? Like mm-hmm. it's, it, whatever it is, we it obviously hasn't happened yet, and it's like I guess maybe it will never happen. So. So it's going to be like just this incredible slog fighting over these tiny little margins in a, in a uphill battle. It's just, and it's, I mean, as long as we're having therapy, I mean, the other part of this that just keeps coming up that is so frustrating is that, and the part that really gives me the, the shakes and the shivers, even as a white privileged man is like the having the, 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 in this case, this one party having their hands on all the levers of power and showing no compunction about honestly legitimately rigging the system to have people like uh, Kemp 
in Georgia or Chris Kobach, Kobach in um, Kansas. People who are legitimately, as they're stock and trade, setting out, whether that's gerrymandering or voter suppression, that like it, they are trying to like screw this system up. And so that's that that's the that's one thing that makes it so difficult is that you feel like man this isn't even really a fair fight you know yeah no but but it doesn't matter like that's not far enough it's just like what's 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 far enough I don't know what it is like as I as I said in one of my fits of depression before the election that I really feel like it has to get worse before it gets better and the reason it has to get worse before it gets better is because you know we haven't reached the point where you know the, the where where people say enough right we just haven't like they're just like eh, you know it's kind of gross but whatever you know mm-hmm. hate those libs i think what we want is um the scene in casablanca where the nazis are sitting around drinking and i don't know they sing like deutschland uber Alice or horse vessel they're singing some kind of nazi drinking song and then victor stands up and starts leading the group in the marseillaise and then the, the the woman who's singing in the band joins in and everybody stands up and the Nazis start, you know, singing louder. And then as one, everybody in Rick stands up and Rick and Rick, they turn to Rick who, you know, he doesn't like this kind of stuff. He's apolitical. And he like gives a signal that it's okay to let this go on. And they, they, they sing down the Nazis. And that's what we want. We want to sing down the Nazis, but that's not happening. Nope, 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 nope. Because a whole bunch of people are singing up the Nazis. So there you go. <laughs> what is wrong with me tonight? <clears throat> Am I getting choked up? That's no. going to be hard to pick for a title. Singing up the Nazis or singing down the Nazis. <clears throat> Can't have Nazis in the title. That'll hurt, hurt your SEO. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we'll just go check in real quick. See how things are going. Huh. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> just... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Closing the tab. Let's see how Beto's doing. Okay. Forty-nine point eight to 49.2. <laughs> ah, of course. Yes. Hey, at least the decimal points were like I said, the last one I looked at it had uh, to a uh, tenth of a percent was exactly tied. So this is like forty nine point seven each. Yeah. Well, that, right. just, well that ends our coverage for this year's Doesn't midterm matter. election. Yep. Thanks to everybody for tuning in and thanks for almost voting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have other happy things to talk about. Uh, will you permit me to do some follow up and front matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can stop me if you want, but um, boy, we came this close. I'm holding my thumb and my forefinger like real close together. We came this close to talking about Homecoming, the Amazon Prime Video program, which you shotgun super quick and watched all the way through. Half hour episodes. Sh- we got to talk about that. Um. And I, I watched it almost as fast. I now have one left. I watched too many of them last night. But just to let you all know, as a heads up, uh, this episode will come out on November 15th-ish, if we're still around. Um, if you would like to be able to join in for the upcoming spoiler slot, treat yourself to a really interesting show uh, on Amazon Prime Video called Homecoming. You've probably heard about it. It's by Sam Is- Ismail from Mr. Robot, stars Julia Roberts and other people. Uh, boy, that guy that plays Caresco, the guy with the glasses, isn't he great? Stars Julie Roberts and people from Boardwalk Empire. Is that right? Yeah, both those guys are from Boardwalk Empire. The guy with the clip-on glasses, is he from there? He sure is, <gasps> and so is uh guy with the earpiece. Guy with the earpiece. Oh, oh, Bob, Bob, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby C? Yep. Okay. Uh, so we just want to give you a heads up. Um, uh, It's not any spoiler to say that I have really been enjoying this. 
Uh, this is right in my wheelhouse TV. Um, do, do you want to give it a, a provisional thumbs up? Oh, yeah, sure. It's definitely worthwhile. If you liked Mr. Robot, uh, I feel like this, my, my capsule summary is this is not as flashy as Mr. Robot season one. But no. if, if you liked that kind of thing and that sensibility, that kind of like show me something interesting. Yes. Uh, this is a good show for you. Not as visually radical, but still very visually um, ambitious, for sure. The lenses that he's using and the shots that, that his team are doing, those very Kubrick style, everything centered, you know, kind of shots. Um, I, I agree with John. I think, uh, and just, just, we'll talk about this certainly next, uh, episode. Uh, they are short. They are as short as 30 minutes each. The mm-hmm. longest are like, well, like 40 some minutes, something yeah, like that. And it's mostly. only, only 10 of them, right? 10 episodes. Yeah. And they earn those 10. It isn't like some kind of, yep. I was talking to Dan about this today. How many of these shows? I, I agree with the, the TV Arati. Like, I agree. There's too many goddamn series that are like 10, 69 minute episodes. It's like, that's, you, can't fill that that's too much cut it down i don't, I don't mind the long stuff as as we'll get to in the yeah, follow-up item i like the long ones too but it's nice to have it a variety if they're all long it just it becomes monotonous well uh the phrase the there's a, a three letters you can drop uh, in the marvel and now dc world bmb brian michael bendis very mm-hmm. decompressed storytelling in a lot of these where it, it isn't even just to create a mood necessarily Anyway, well, I don't want to go on about it, but if you'd like to be able to not have to skip over uh, next week, um, and I'll just say the propulsiveness of this show, it's, it is, it's very, um, it's not incredibly difficult viewing. It's, uh, I think it's a fun show, and I would really suggest people check it out so you can listen to us talk about it, because I think we'll both have fairly interesting things to say about it. Yeah, see what Joey Roberts been up to. That's yeah, star good power. for her. Yeah. Crazy hair. Um, Oh, yeah, I don't really have much to say about it yet, because I'm only 1% in, but I bought the stand. I've been reading the stand. There you go. Look at you. Reading. Are you reading it, or is it an audiobook? I got both, but I've been reading it. I, you know, I don't want to say I forgot how much I like Stephen King, but I kind of forgot how much I like Stephen King. He's, he's got a whole thing going on. He's, he's got a whole sna- Stephen he King thing. He is snackable, man. His writing is just... He is just... He's just a brand, and he just does what he does, and he does it really well. And his, vo- his voice, or the... You know, the, his voice just really shines through. Even when you got all these characters and all this wackadoo stuff going on and, yeah. you know, just the guys hanging out at the gas station, like it's, uh, you know, every sentence tells, even in something that's 1,300 pages long. He's, so, uh, he's comforting. Yeah, like, uh, it's a page you know, turner, a page turner for sure. Yeah. What yeah, are you so up to? What, what part are you up to? Oh, don't even ask. You'll make fun of me. I'm not that far along. I just read it some this weekend. I'm basically up to, I'm at the gas station. What do, you, what do you think about that opening scene? That would make a hell of an opening scene in a movie if they, if they ever made a movie of The Stand, which obviously we know they've never done. Never done. Uh, they, <laughs> it would be almost like making a fourth Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, the, I don't know. Um, <laughs> the, I wonder if that'll ever happen. Uh, there, I, to answer your question, I'll answer your question with an anecdote. I watched a really good uh, YouTube video, one of the mini film nerd, uh, I forget who it was, but they were basically talking about um, how to start a movie. And talking about the sort of like movie before the movie. Mm-hmm. And while there have been many examples of that before, a fantastic example of that is uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Where yep. really the story kind of starts with him writing on the chalkboard. But mm-hmm. if you hadn't had that whole part to set it up, uh, this I'm just basically just repeating what this YouTuber said. You know, it would be really jarring that this professor is now running around like, uh, you know, being an adventurer, that it's a very important, that movie before the movie. Well, that's arguably the most memorable part of the movie is that wonderful before the really movie really starts movie. Same thing with Temple of Doom, which had that whole James Bond scene at the beginning of it. And this is, there have been many uh, that do that. 
and, and sometimes to great effect, maybe even before the credits roll, you have this little like setup now that is just rife, maybe even abused um, in TV and movies, usually not to as great effect, but that's exactly what I felt like. Cause I, I was trying to be a good doobie and follow Syracuse rules. That's why I wrote, that's why I texted you while I was reading the preface to make sure I had the right edition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the opening thing at the house, waking her up and the kid, uh, is absolutely what occurred to me that that would be in the right hands would be such a great way to start. See, a movie. It's, it's everything I tell you it grabs you right away. And it's, it's unlike the, just the Indiana Jones thing where it's like the story before the story. It's not itself much of a self-contained story, but it is the, it is the ominous lead in that many, many movies do this, right? That's uh-huh. why it's so, so cinematic. A lot of his writing is so cinematic. It's the ominous lead in because you know what the movie's about. The movie's going to grab you right up front with this exciting thing, but then they're going to go to the gas station, and it's going to be like, meanwhile, at the yeah, gas station... Yeah, and you station, go, oh no, three people. <laughs> oh yeah. no, what's our friends? <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it was real well done. So yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chip away at it a little bit at a time. Um, but uh, yeah, why do, of all the things of yours that I could choose to go after, why would it be something that long? It's good stuff. And like I said, it goes. It goes quick. Just, you know, you just start grinding grinding through it. I tried to, turning the Audible on because uh, basically I bought the Kindle edition where you pay 12 bucks extra and get the mm-hmm. Audible with it. Yeah, you don't want the Audible on while you're reading. That's no good. I'm not, I've never been into audiobooks. I don't understand how people deal with them. So I Did you read The Rook? It. No, it's on, on my list of things that I think I would probably like. I, I haven't read it, though. I haven't finished it. My daughter started it but hasn't finished it. But we did also, for a long trip, listen to the audiobook, and it, I thought it was quite good. It's not Jim Dale level good, but very good. You know the guy. You ever listen to Harry Potter? Um, Jim Dale. I, during, I don't. I don't. I don't do audiobooks. Period. Jim Dale does voices and stuff. It's really good. Yeah. Harry. No, not for me. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So that's that. Anyway, uh, call off your flying monkeys. I'm reading a book. Todd, you know Todd, of course, is the classic flying. He monkey. He got the audiobook too. You know, you know what, you know what the classic flying monkey move is. Uh, I'm not a flying monkey. Give me a break. Such a sickening. Um, that's most. I had a question here that you can answer or not because I don't remember. You ha- you just did an ATP that isn't out yet. I don't think. Mm-hmm. What did you order? Did you get anything in the latest tranche hey, got, of we Apple got goods? A, a homework laptop. Because we need a homework laptop because kids have homework and we don't want them using the grown-up people computers. And my daughter broke the previous homework laptop, which you, was a 2011 computer. You mentioned that, uh, that that was something you were looking forward to, I think, here and probably on ATP. So is that on the upcoming <laughs> – the episode that recently <laughs> aired before this one came out two ATPs uh-huh. ago, one uh-huh. rec diffs ago. Did you talk about it there? Shit, yeah. Okay, well, I enjoyed it. That was a good episode that I had yeah, last anyway, week. Yeah, anyway, yeah. That was the after the election that came out, right? Mm, something like that, yeah. Mm. Got, a, got a MacBook Air, and uh, I'm hoping that it will help with our homework computer situation, and I'm hoping the kids won't immediately drop it down the stairs. <laughs> or spill a drink into it, or smear it with peanut butter, or yogurt. Wait a minute, it's got a headphone jack, right? Sure does. Oh, but this, this is a homework laptop, though. It's not a, you don't need, for the oh, most part, sure. headphones for yeah. the homework. It's mm-hmm. a homework laptop. You just need, you know. You see, and there won't be any YouTube playing in the background? No, I don't. See, this is the thing. I'm, they prefer YouTube on their iPads. I, I don't think they would choose to use the laptop for right. much of anything. And anyway, the, the, designating this as the homework laptop is me emphasizing the fact that, you know, if you're not doing homework, you don't need to be touching this laptop. That's it. Because you've got your iPads that you right. can destroy and, and for your leisure time, but this is the homework class. Is that going to be, um, if you can say, will that be multiple two-child user accounts on the same Mac to share? 
We always put uh, four user accounts on all our computers, one for every family member. It's a movable feast. So it's the way we roll. Um, and remind me, apart from the incredibly obvious, why uh, why they don't get Chromebooks? Uh, I mean, what's the incredibly obvious that I don't like You're, Chromebooks? You would you would uh, you hate all computers, but you hate Apple computers the least. And that you I don't donate all computers, but uh, you yeah. know that it's not a, it's not a thing that our school does, as far as I can tell. Oh, it's we're all rich people. Here. Neighbor, we're a rich people neighborhood, and so it's yeah. like they just expect everyone to be able to buy their kids fancy computers, and so we do. Like, there's no sort of your kids should have Chromebooks or may have Chromebooks. There's no mention of Chromebooks. They're, the school does use Google Docs and various other web based things. I guess. Yeah. They, I mean, it's weird because like. They just, you know, oh, make sure you do this and sign up for this thing and that. And like, it's like, what if I don't have a computer? You're just I assuming? ask myself that constantly. My daughter has so much access to so many devices, but I still never stop noticing how implied it is that everyone has access to a computer at home. Of course. Like, you, like, you have to. Like, it's part of the curriculum. It's well, like, you, I mean, you have that's to how, do this. This is why we pulled her out of the is because, or sorry, her aftercare program. <laughs> well, that's why we we have now, I, I am now officially, I now officially pick my daughter up at one fifty every day. Ask me mm-hmm. how much I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And so I have her in the app for the full afternoon now. Um, and I'm now the homework czar and the child czar and the, the everything czar in the afternoon. But because uh, all the homework that she could do in the renegotiated homework time at aftercare she'd have to have the laptop there and she does mm-hmm. not want to take the laptop to school. I mean, she could basically do um, math, her math worksheets, and that is almost literally it. She could read a book or do math worksheets. Everything else is on the Chromebook. It's so alien to me because, like, not only when I was in school did they not assume you had a computer, <laughs> right? They didn't think anybody had a computer. Like anybody in the world had a computer, let alone uh, the family of a student, let alone a student themselves. Like. Nobody had computers. Like, that was the whole thing. The fact that I had one and could do things on it, like, you know, we're not that old. But, like, they, if if anything, they didn't expect you to have a typewriter. That was a big yeah. ask. It was all about writing your stuff in cursive. And, like, typewriters, if someone brought in something typewritten, they'd have a policy. And I was like, now, if you have a typewriter, like, but... And now it's just like, of course you have computers. And of course those computers have internet access. In fact, they're required for all for you to be able to do anything. And if you don't, I guess your SOL, just go spend a thousand bucks. So... Because they're not giving them out of the school, like it's it's confusing. No, there's no, there's so, there's so many nested assumptions to it. You think about how when nobody had a computer, like when did normal people start having a computer in the house? I'm going to say maybe late '80s, mostly '90s. I think '90s. Well, the yeah, but I mean, the like, internet. Yeah, the first, um, probably the first apples people would have might be an LC, you get like a pizza box or something. Um, but I don't know. It, so not only were there not computers in the house, if there was a computer in the house. It was a one user, by and large, for most normal people until the 2000s, it was a one user account on a, on this uninternet connected thing that you would have, that you would go and interact with like you're receiving communion. And now, now there is an implicit assumption, just to repeat what you said, that not only is there a computer, it's a computer you will have access to at like all kinds of times and that will be internet connected and that will support all the things like most especially Google Docs. There's a lot to that. So I, knowing how, how cool and nice the teachers are, I imagine they find some way to work this out. But I don't, how do they find out if you don't have a computer as is expected? It's, it's pretty presumptuous. And you have, you have to go in and like shamefaced and be like, oh, well, yeah. we don't have a computer. Yeah. What should I do? 
And, and I mean, just also think about this in our case. So like, for example, every weekend we get an, what I'm sure is a totally automated update on this week, like how Ellie did this week. And it's basically just an automated update out of probably their Google docs or whatever. Cause sometimes it's inaccurate. It's not up to date and stuff, but in any case, just think about having the stuff that you need email for. Like there's no newsletter that goes home in the backpack anymore. Everything's communicated through email or class dojo. There's a photo he takes in class. He posts it on class dojo. And like that's all of your interactions that you're not having through some kind of an appointment at the school. It's all done electronically. Are you laughing at class dojo? I'm I'm trying to remember the, uh, what the hell is it? What's I got to look it up. Mm. Mojo Jojo. (laughs) (laughs) You're much part of girls. I know. (laughs) Mojo Jojo. (laughs) Yes, I know about Mojo Jojo. Yeah, <laughs> the class dojo. I'm just, I think it's called not class the dojo. Does right? fear not exist in the class dojo? What? Oh, just make a joke? <laughs> I, dojo, class dojo is, of all the things that a class could be, you oh, know, yes. all the, of all the metaphors about the... <laughs> just sweep the leg, Johnny! <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, what What are they trying yeah. to... Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, speaking of the newsletters going home stuff, like, we're setting up parent-teacher conferences, uh, and guess where you set them up? Online. online. Yep. They, they sent home a piece of paper to tell us, you know, don't forget, uh, set up your parent-teacher things, and here's how you do it. And on the piece of paper, it has a URL. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, like, right, right. Again, I mean, at least the piece of paper goes home, and I guess you can get the piece of paper and be like, uh, well, so I guess I'm not going to have parent-teacher conferences, or do yeah. I just, you know, I guess I can just call the teacher. I'll just look up the teacher's phone number on the website. For that. I mean, obviously, it's it's reasonable to assume that everybody has internet access in this wonderful age of internet. But like, what if it's just a phone? What if your family just has a phone? That's their main internet computer. Yeah, but computer? I mean, I I uh, I still feel like I don't know. I feel like I'm tending goals like Ron Weasley. I'm like still constantly having to comb through like all of the material. It's like inbox zero hell for me. Where like I'm comb. It's like the kind of thing I would use as an example in a talk of these like blah 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 tiny fact that's not totally actionable in last second to the last paragraph blah 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 sincerely mr teacher and it's like uh just give me can't you give me a punch list once once a week of everything i need to know about i know i know that's a lot to ask but i feel like i'm really always playing defense in terms of just keeping up with with the privilege of email on (laughs) dozens of devices seemingly at this point Mm -hmm. i still feel like i'm always i'm always on defense because it is a funny little carnival game where it's a combination of remarks about how the teacher feels about the timeliness of their response, uh, <laughs> reminders about various kinds of paper or computer things, reminders or uh, announcements about dates, dependencies nested in there about those dates and things that need to be done. And it's just real leisurely first draft email kind of stuff where like, you know, if it were me, you know me, like back in my day, my emails always started with bullets. Which is like, if you don't have time to read this email, here's a list of bullets. And each bullet has a person's initials next to it and a date. And everything in here that's an actionable item, as we used to say, I know it's a legal term, shut up. Every one of these things that needs to be done by somebody has a bullet, initials, and a due date. And then there's a a verb-based bullet that says what you need to do about that. You know, uh, school tour at thus and such school, 1030 to 1130 Wednesday. Like, whatever. Like, but no, that's not how it works. It's just a bunch of, it's like freaking Mark Twain sitting on the porch, just jawing. 
Did you feel yeah, that like a, you're the playing defense? Yeah, I feel a little like bit? there's a lot of like maybe not criminology, but like that there is something going on, and they're not going to tell you what's going on, but you can figure it out by sort of reading around the edges of it. It's like I'm I'm gathering that there is. Some kind of event going on at school. Oh, look at that. I, does think, it involve, yeah, I think. Does it involve my kids' yeah, grade or might, does it not? I think you're asking me to do something, I right. think. So, so, all right. So, first you have to figure out, like, does this thing that I'm reading about, is it in my kids' grade? Because multiple grades are in the school. Then you're going to be like, okay, if I figured out it's my kids' grade. What is What date is it happening at? And then what is there something I need to do about that? If I want my, is it mandatory? Is it optional? What time does it take place? Does it take place during school? Or like, and you can figure it out slowly as like more discussion comes in. Much of the discussion is like, you just came to the room late and they're all talking about a thing that they've already established. Yes. So you don't have the context. There's no context. Yes. Like they assume just everybody already knows about this thing and say, I get, you know, okay, so here's the latest update on the whatever. So, okay, we're going to do the thing. It's like, wait, wait, what's the whatever? Like, well, I've well, first time hearing about it. You have to read every word of it because if you glance through it, you will merely catch that there's something involving music. Hang on. My kid did something related to music. Okay. Okay. Violin. She doesn't play violin. Yes, she does play ukulele. A bubble sword. Does she need to wear black pants on Thursday? Okay, like wear black pants on Thursday. Let's mm-hmm. put that on the calendar. Reminder, mm-hmm. like, so I, you know me, man, I'm, I live by this stuff. Like I got reminders for everything. Every Friday at 7.20 a.m., I get a reminder that it's ukulele day and bring the aqua folder because the aqua folder has to go with the ukulele. <laughs> if you don't have, if you don't have the folder, you, you can't play Jimmy Crack Corn. What are you going to do? the aqua folder, not the teal folder. No, the teal, teal folder is different. That's for, that's, that's for lunch bunch. But <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot to ask. Already our, our, our teachers do so much and, uh, the dude we've got this year who I like a lot is very responsive about stuff. He's really great. But, and I try to be circumspect about any kind of response I send. And of course I only ever send like one or two sentence emails F- friendly, but like I need this piece of information and I looked and couldn't find it. Do you have it? But I don't know. It's <laughs> you the reply, but well, it's on the website. But now imagine you don't have email, right? Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? You don't even know what pants to wear on Thursday. If there's pants. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's I don't pajama know. day. Who knows? Oh, crazy hair day. You forget to write down crazy hair day? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what is up with the red tabs in Chrome? I hate it so much. You told me a long time ago about how to go into flags. Right, but they took, it away, they took it away in the latest. Well, this latest, like, latest. They do. Also, are you getting the plus sign that isn't fully transparent? Yeah, plus sign's misaligned, but the, the red Tab text when is you're not me vocal, Like when you're in another app and looking at Chrome, it turns unbolded red. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why is it doing that? I, I had a screenshot ready to send you, but I didn't want to bug you about it. because so I know It's this upsetting. Could... Oh, and look at this now. Okay, so now I click on Skype. I got Chrome in the background. There's the tiniest little, it's like, what? It's like E-E-E and like, what would that be? Like E-E-C-E-C or E-F-E-F? It's like the tiniest, slightest it's not even a CCC. Like, it's the tiniest little, like, oh, you're so close. Are you a tab? Am I your mommy? Like, there's a little red X now, and that's not focal. And then I click on it, it turns black. What is this in service of? Who's yeah, doing a, this, John? Who th- is this material? Am I dealing with material? It's a mess. I don't I don't understand why things are red. Like, it's 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 like an application not responding in the force quit thing, which is making me, re- reminding me of your discussion with John Roderick. And I don't want to be reminded of that. Which one? About what? I am, a, you, you, you managed to complain about other people haranguing you about your tech supporter, John Roderick. And I wasn't one of those people because I haven't, literally have never even mentioned it to you, but now you've brought it to mind. Okay. Now you've done it. 
Well, have you reminded me. Are you going to dress me down for what I'm doing wrong with them? No, now that you reminded you want, me you that, that conversation him? existed. You want to help him? You want to help him get the Anna Banana files off? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the part of it, like here, this is, I feel like, okay, if I'm, if I'm going to be uh, driven up a wall by your, your tech support general, I could at least make it funny. And so then when, when you, when you uh, the, the part that I get the best laugh out of was when you, when you suggested to him that he reboot into single, single user, user mode and run fsck <laughs> in fairly uh, you know granular detail and yeah. uh, relatively speaking but then that later when he later funny. when he said he couldn't right click you let that one slide i told so, no i said control <laughs> click if you listen i said control i know click. i know but you're like but because my thing doesn't have a right hand like he just needs to enable the preference and press on the right side of his mouse. Well, he doesn't want a Dell. He doesn't want a Dell mouse. He doesn't want a Dell mouse. No, he's in the Apple mouse. You can right click on. You know that. I know that. Well, it depends. Are you talking about the little sushi mouse? All of them. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I, I've got this nice Logitech right here. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, I, I yeah, got a real so right single, Reboot into single user mode, John Roderick. That's mm-hmm. what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. But you don't think that was novel of me to say get a USB drive rather than try to set up front uh, mode? I, I was waiting for that to to come up. I thought you were going to let that one go by too. I was I was glad <sighs> that you you brought that up. <sighs> we still and we still don't know who Anna Banana is. I still don't know. It's in my. It's right here. I've written you it never down. Used, the stack is the stack is too deep. I know. I know. So now, how about this? How about this? How much are you loving the X on the tab? Looks like a Jason Kotke mini font from the early 2000s but then the plus above it on mine which i just put you... the screenshot look in your robots oh but then the <clears throat> the plus looks like the cross of saint john <laughs> looks like an english flag yeah. look at look at the screenshot i just put in there look at it <laughs> what's, go- what's going on oh, God. oh swing is this in swing i think this is in swing <laughs> i don't know why is, why is it, it red doesn't it look like a java app what? Oh, and that was the other thing. The reason the force quit thing reminded me of it was you were like, why Why do things show up as red? Uh, and your theory was like that they're swapping or something. I thought usually when you get, no, what I what I said was, and I, this could be wrong, I thought when you get a beach ball, that usually means a memory. Oh, yeah, card. yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same thing. But yeah, when you get a beach ball, your theory was that it means that the thing is swapping, right? Well, it's just, it's just struggling from memory somehow. That's all I know. Right, no. The, uh, the beach ball is the application not pulling events off the event queue. Oh, right, so of course. Like, I should have told him that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm just for your edification. You don't need oh, to okay. This, but because like, the, you know, the like there's an event queue that says like this happened. They clicked here. They moved the mouse there or whatever. And your application is supposed to pull those events off and say, okay. oh, I just got a new event. The mouse has entered this area and I'm supposed to highlight this or they've clicked there. So I'm okay. supposed to do All that. Right. I'm, op- I'm opening the terminal. I'm opening the I'm opening the terminal. <clears throat> I'll start a new session here. Let's see, I'm in bash. So I'm going to say show event queue and there's spaces in between. Yeah, <clears throat> it right. says there's no command not found for show. Yeah. Anyway, okay, um, are there any flags on that? A display yeah, event so, queue. So display that's the yeah. And, and so it's when they stop pulling events off the queue for a certain period of time. That's when you get to beach ball. And you really those applications they really need to be pulling those events off the queue because if not pulling events off the queue, they can't be reacting to them. So then <laughs> they're basically hung, and that's why you get the beach ball. Yeah. I'm logged in as me. There you uh, go. Log- Who am I? Out. Right. With no spaces. Right Have you gotten the- voice? recognition to well, sorry um what's it called so my google products know who i am and i tried mm-hmm. to get my ladies set up on it but, but when they say who am i it doesn't know them do you have that working in your house i i, I set it up for my daughter and i who are the ones who talk to the cylinder the most and just, just I, to be clear here they if your daughter's anything like mine she's utterly uninterested in spending two minutes to make this thing work 
Yeah, but I think I did convince her to do it briefly. So I think it knows the difference between the two of us, but we never leverage that because we never ask it anything personal. We just ask it, you know. Mm. So I, I don't know. I have to revisit that. Um, and that was even before we got the mini. In the house. I did the I did the entire thing. All she had to do was say four things into the microphone. That's all she had to do. Say she still, map. I said, I said, honey, it's very important you remain curious. I told her this morning. I said this morning. <laughs> I said, it's, you must not become incurious. I read an article on the internet that says that video games make children incurious. It's very important that you stay curious. You, you read an article that said video games make children incurious. You got to be curious to find all the, the, the collectibles. You, you want to 100% that game, you got to be super curious. Of all the problems with George W. Bush, the largest problem was his incuriosity. That's true. Yes. Well, no, actually, that it was the root. The, the, it was the root gonna, of a lot of problems. Yeah, but this—I think he's also wasn't very smart. He wasn't very smart. No, no. But I, I said it's very important. And I said, uh, you know me. I don't like the threat button. You know, I also like to say, you know me. But I—I uh, mm-hmm. I, I said it's very important that you stay curious. It was something very simple. Oh, you know what it was? You know what it was? She said, "I don't have Safari on my watch." I said, "Well, you don't have Safari on your watch, <laughs> but you kind of have Safari." I said, "Let me send you a link." And she's like, "No, mm. no, 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 no! I don't want it going off in class." I said, "Listen." Just chill. Just stop. So I grabbed Do by Friday from Safari on my phone. I texted it to her. It came not child up. appropriate. She could not be mm, true. She could not be troubled to click on it and see what happens. Mm. You know. And I said, "Honey, I said, you know me. It's very important that you not become mm-hmm. incurious." So speaking of kids who can't use technology, uh, the latest fun one that I've got going on with my son is so we have a we have a group a group chat with him and uh, me and my wife. And it's called the ride home chat. So mm-hmm. we, how we arrange how he's getting from wherever he is to wherever he has to go because he can never take any of the buses because whoever the buses are for, it's not my son and his schedule mm-hmm. or any students who have sports. Anyway, and so that that's how we communicate. And very often we'll send a message that we're either on our way or have arrived or whatever or where we're parked or so on and so forth. And what we will get back is a giant black rounded rectangle into which a bunch of neon lines will haphazardly oh, appear. Oh, no, because she did the pressy, he did the pressy thing, but he didn't. Uh, how this Ugh. is happening, it's not entirely clear. I mean, clearly, he does have an Apple Watch, and clearly he is activating the digital drawing like thing. Yeah. But he doesn't know he's activating it, nor is he drawing anything intentionally. <sighs> and so we get a series of these black rectangles of you animated know, blobs and colors and stuff going all over. It's that's like, it's like, so interesting. And so like, but you, he doesn't know he's doing it. No, we, I showed him the message. I'm like, you know, this is what we see, right? And he's oh, like, what dude. is that? I'm like, that's you accidentally doing something on your watch. I got to show you this. I got to show you my wife and my daughter had a, went to a sandcastle building contest this weekend. And my wife, my wife sent me, I, she's got something in her, in her chemistry, <laughs> something in her chemistry that makes her butt dial me. <laughs> that, that's a song right there. That's a hit single. Something, something in, in her, her chemistry, chemistry that makes her me. butt dial me. Please write that down. Please write that down. I won't send you all of these, but I've got about 16. Kissy Mouth, Orange Circle, Blippity Bloop, Heartbeat, Heartbeat. And then uh, the, the the one of them is uh, Nepito Ip. <laughs> you, were you sending this in, in a robot of some kind? Uh, I sent it to you. Uh, Nepito Ip. That's one. Let me, Here, let, me, let me grab this. Okay. And now here, here's what I'm here to tell you. She she sends me so many of these all the time, and then she says, "Oh, butt dial." Like there's some. She's got something in her something in her chemistry. I don't know what is causing it, but she butt dials me all the time and from the watch. 
Yeah, there you go. I think that's she was building sandcastles and sending me kisses. Yeah, that's like it's looking very familiar. Nepito whip. <laughs> but does. But does, she says. Yeah, my dad has this problem too. I think it's something like you should check her settings for like the raise to listen, raise to wake, and all like turn all that stuff off because I think oh, okay. my dad thinks he's done using his phone, then he sticks it into his pocket, but it's still totally That's on. her. That's her. When she's got girl jeans, so it sticks out a lot. It happens especially when she's running. Um, you gotta get her get her those uh those orange overalls that you just ordered. Well, you know they broke my heart. They broke my heart. They sent they sent them to me. They were awesome. My daughter mm-hmm. thought they were fabulous. <sighs> One of the classes <laughs> <laughs> on the left overall strap was missing. So I gotta send them back. Oh, that's perfect though. Aren't you supupposed to have one only right, one strap? Like a hillbilly look. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm I really like symmetry. That's a, a sexy hillbilly, they call it. You got the one strap down. <laughs> that's Ellie says, Dad, you gotta wear these without a shirt. And I also got new <laughs> Levi's, one of those Levi's denim trucker jackets. I'm thinking those two together. I wore yesterday. I yesterday um, afternoon. I was wearing a pair of five hundred ones, uh, a t-shirt. Uh, it's not Rico uh, t-shirt from Popat. And uh, I was wearing a the new denim jacket, faded denim jacket, and of course a Carhartt cap, watch cap. And and Madeline said, "You look Canadian." I was like, "You know, I feel Canadian. I feel kind of Canadian." You know, that brand, Carhartt, the only reason I know that brand exists is from listening to Rock on the Line. Before I started listening to that show, I had no idea that that was even a brand. They make very durable clothes. I I, I mostly surmised that from listening to the show, but I yeah. still haven't quite figured out whether, like, what the status of the brand is. Well, I own, I used to wear their pants a lot. And I, they're, they're, God, these overalls were going to be so perfect. I was so into it. I was so into it. Um, but they uh, they do, like, double knees. In the in mm-hmm. the overalls or in the in the like the work pants, you get a hammer grabber, um, and I own probably twenty of their watch caps. I buy those. I buy a couple of those a month usually. They're liking to be real tight. Um, they make all kinds of really good stuff. It's a little yeah, bit played. Like, it's a little bit of like an early two thousands rapper look at this point. Well, what I'm thinking about is like uh, the the brands known for sturdy clothing and how low they've fallen from L.L. Bean to Land's yeah. End to REI to North Face, as we all know. Hanging by a and thread. I'm wondering if Carhartt has walked that same path of once upon a time, it oh. was boring workmanlike clothing. Then it was... Because, because of my hillbilly classical mission? And then eventually it becomes like, we no longer actually make quality clothing. It's all made by slave labor in Indonesia. Yep. And it's all the same crap everywhere, and we're just getting by by the brand name by charging you a lot of money for clothes that are going to fall apart. Probably, probably, probably. Um, the fit on most work clothes is strange. Like I was always a fan of Ben Davis shirts. You just buy those a little big, and they fit you fine. There's, you've seen those like the zip up shirts with the short sleeves and the little monkey on the pocket. Those <laughs> no, are great. No, you might as well be naming Canadian bands. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Try this. Uh, they have Sloan. Oh, that, that, that was one of the best things. Speaking of in your recently recent shows, so sometimes you do the funny things where you make up names of bands, right? Uh-huh. That you were dead serious making up names of bands. I wish I could remember them now, but the most the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life. It was where? like do by Friday. Like, maybe it was like cock nozzle and like just what, what are some of the bands you had like i don't like, remember what this uh, is from uh, plastic nose piece uh, like <laughs> name some bands that were they were not better that you were dead serious talking you and max talking about these band names oh no those are probably real probably you, you were very serious about them they had to be real but they were you could not make up funnier ones oh 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 during the challenge yeah yeah okay okay let's see yeah well you know what i run into now i feel like this has got to be a streaming media spotify era thing but like 
there used to be bands you'd see that had like a funny name. Like they would have a, you know, obviously from the players, they got funny names, right? They, well, yeah, I was on first. Uh, the, uh, where's Max's list? There's Alex's list. I'll be able to pick them out once I hear them. Fujiya and Miyagi, Pinback. Eels. Pinback. 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 First of all, I'm thinking like, I'm, you know, we're selling ATP <laughs> pins with merchandise and with locking pinbacks. I'm like, there's a band called Pinback? All right, anyway, yeah. go on. That wasn't the one I was yeah, thinking Eels, of. Yeah, Eels, uh, Faded Paper Figures, Aqueduct, The Unicorns. Let's see some of mine. Some of mine are probably pretty bad. Uh, let me see. Where's my Beth's like? Oh, email, Emo Skate and Math, probably. Uh, there, you have, you have Sp- uh, Spraynard. Hard Girls, Iron Sheik, Reviver with no vowels, the dopamines, the copyrights, the ergs. <laughs> no, you know, I, don't, I guess I can remember. What remember it was, sports, but, thin lips, but, culture abuse. <laughs> P.S. Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> These are so made up. But no, what I see now are, are ones that like literally make no sense. Where it'll just be like, well, a popular one is sort of like churches with a V. You see oh, a I lot love now. That band. You do you like that band, huh? Well, they're like a little, little bit samey, but they've got some great songs. But they got a, they got a girl singer, right? Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear good things. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, now there's a thing now where everybody's putting two Vs for a W. Like, that's the mm-hmm. thing now. Yeah. There's a lot of this typographical stuff people are doing. They're having fun with it. Um, <clears throat> let's see here under recent finds. What are some good ones? I think it was one of Max's one. And he had a very serious conversation. Like, you've heard of whatever. You, you, you've heard of, like, Monkey Spray. It's like, yes, of course I've heard of Monkey Spray. But <laughs> Monkey Spray is way too serious to be the name of this band. Heavy Vegetable? Was, yes, Heavy Vegetable is one of them, for sure. Heavy Vegetable? Heavy Are you vegetable. kidding me? It's for the guy from Pinback. <laughs> so who comes, and picks up, who comes and picks up his paycheck? I don't yeah, know. I think, I think you really dig Heavy Vegetables. Like, shut up. What, what, who's yeah. naming your bands? High school children do better than this heavy vegetable. If you like Weezer, you might want to check out Ozma. Ozma sounds a lot like Weezer. They're pretty good. Oh, here's one. This, okay, this is an actual thing. Oh my God. This is, there's, there's two artists on this one. It's Bo N, lowercase B O, lowercase E N, Bo N. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the band, Bo Space N. <laughs> and Augustus. That's from the uh, Pale Machine expansion pack singles. Yeah, uh, let's see. You got Bill Wirtz, Charlie Bliss, Yachts. Then you got lots of normal names. Pine Grove, 19th Century Strongmen, <clears throat> 19th Century... Oh, Car Seat Headrest. There you go. Car Seat Headrest and Heavy Vegetable, where I think we're the two <laughs> winners of the, like, you're not even trying middle school children to come up with better hand names than Car Seat Headrest and Heavy Vegetable. Yeah, check out Augustus Glorp. be <laughs> <laughs> banished to banned hell. Really? Like, you're... It's you. It's a built-in limiter. Like no matter how good you are, car seat headrest is never going to be the next Beatles. <laughs> really, you think? It's built in. You've hmm. you've hemmed yourself in. It's impossible. You could be the greatest artist the world has ever known, but car seat headrest is okay. never going to be like Bruce Springsteen or REM or like the Rolling Stones. It's just You're not right, going to happen. Not okay, okay. So there's that band I like, the Beths, and the Beths on Spotify. Be- create- Beths is a perfectly good. That's a very good name. But the Beths, probably Liz created this playlist called Home and Away, uh, alternating between songs from friends back home and songs from new friends we made on the road. Very nice. So here, I'm going to read you the artists on the Beth's playlist called Home and Away. <clears throat> Polyester, Fresh, Hans Puckett, Rat Boys, Miss June, uh, Peach Kelly Pop, Wax Chattels, Blush, Two H's, uh, Chelsea Jade, Allie Blunny, uh, Girl Friday, Astro Children, Mother Evergreen, AC <laughs> Freezy, The Protection. Still not as good as Heavy Vegetable. There are too many. There are, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just name pollution. Like, they're, all the name, band names are taken. Maybe they have to add years next to them, like movie titles. Like, he- Heavy Vegetable, parentheses, 2018. 
Yeah, like Screen Actors Guild. Like you would have to be John John Q Syracuse or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. J Robert Syracuse or something. And you start to gain more respect for the people whose artist name is just their admittedly made up stage, but name, like it's just a person's name. Like that becomes suddenly incredibly classic and, you know, standard compared uh-huh. to car seat headrest and pinback. <laughs> Heavy vegetable. I'm adding band names to the mini topics. It's, it's a, an unusual suspect situation where they're just like mm-hmm. in, in an office depot and they're like, what do you got? I don't know. Like my head is touching the rest in this headrest in this car. Rebel Kent. Um. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Was, so sorry, those are real. Weird. Yeah, we bounced. We, we so bounced why did my wife say Nepito Ip? Uh, you you'll find I'll out. Have to ask her. That's right. It was in the bottom. It was in the bottom of a coffee mug. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Mac Weldon. You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting MacWeldon.com. MacWeldon makes the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. Frankly, MacWeldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now, and they are so confident of this. They have a no-questions-asked return policy. MacWeldon are sure that you're going to be super comfortable in whatever you buy, but if for any reason you don't like your first pair, you just keep them, and they'll refund you no-questions-asked. By pairing premium fabrics meticulous attention to detail, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon delivers a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. Mack Weldon makes undershirts that stay tucked in, socks that stay up, and waistbands that don't roll. Everything they make is made with premium cotton blended with natural fibers. And their website is built to get you in and out as quickly as possible. They do not waste your time. I'm a huge fan of Mack Weldon. I'm wearing uh, two articles of Mack Weldon today, uh, one of which I'm comfortable telling you about, which is their white uh, undershirt. It stays tucked in. That's really all you need to know. I also love their uh, their cotton long sleeve tee. Uh, I love their polo shirts. I'm a big fan of Mack Weldon. I've bought lots of it with my own money, and I wish you would too, because they are a great sponsor and a good friend of the show. Mack Weldon also has a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. That is some cool science stuff. Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. They're good for working out, going to work, traveling, or just for everyday life. That's my favorite use, everyday life. Now, right now, listeners of Reconcilable Differences can get $20 off their first order. You go to visit MacWeldon.com and use the very special offer code DIFFS at checkout. That's D-I-F-F-S, MacWeldon.com, offer code DIFFS. Our thanks to MacWeldon for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, okay, so this is a fun one. I like this. We're having fun with it. Let's see. How, oh, you know what? Let's check in. Let's check on the election. Oh, stop. Doing. What are you doing? Stop. Turn <clears> back. <throat> nah, 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 nah. Come on. This will be nothing. Let's see. <laughs> hey, hey. Whoa. You want to know? Are you, are you looking at the needle? No, I don't look at needles. Are you re- how many people are telling the therapist about that freaking needle? Like, oh, the needle it- last year, or 2016, just about killed me. Because no, you know what it was the jitter. It was the jitter that they added to it that made yeah, it even worse. Yeah, that's what it, I the think like that that needle is is. Does the jitter represent? Um, what does it? Does the jitter represent velocity? It's an idle animation, is what it is. I don't think it represents anything. It's I merely do, oh, well? an animation added to let you know that the thing is not frozen. Okay. Okay. Like like a way like a button might gleam or something like that. Yeah, like an idle animation of a character in a video game where they I-D-O-L kind of stand there and I-D-L-E. breathe. Oh, it's like when you're picking I- your character and he just does a... Yeah, and he's breathing and he's bouncing yeah, up and yeah, down yeah, yeah, and yeah, his yeah. clothes are moving I know about and that whatever. from Monster Factory. 50.6 to 48.7. Oh, no, Ted's up. Oh, no. 
Oh no! I told you not to okay. look. Closing the tab. Let's see I how Caston. Told you, just Sean like it's all just gonna end in tears. Uh, in tears. And just, yeah. Whatever. Just... Oh, Sean Caston's up. Twenty-six percent reporting. That's good. Hopefully, we can talk Max like, off the uh, ledge. Has to get worse before it can get better, and or we have to just wait for. No, we can't even wait. These old no. people die. It doesn't matter. They're just, That's just right. making new. It doesn't matter. No, there's plenty. It's like it's like a whole like paper towel uh, rack of dinglings. Just got fresh ones coming all the time. That's right. Making just new tear ones them off. Tear off a fresh one. Uh, Sean Caston. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else we got? Uh, what are you excited about? We got uh, what else we got? The stand. I'm reading the stand. Yeah. Uh, uh we're probably you, good. You, you want to talk about heavyweight? Uh yeah well yeah sure we're kind of or something kind of else deep you know, I, kind of deep in here but I think I'm we can... fine I'm fine to keep shucking and jiving I I'm, talk, I'm, I enjoy our visits heavy, let's talk a little bit about heavyweight mm-hmm. a little bit about how did you start how did you discover and start listening to the Jonathan Goldstein podcast heavyweight available on Gimlet how did you how did you learn about start listening I don't know it's like it's kind of Bef- thing like how did you hear Max, about cereal before Max and Alex suggested it to me I probably heard it from you but it is kind of in the air like as a popular show that a lot of people listen to outside of our circles you know what I mean it's not mm-hmm. as big as cereal obviously but it, I think it's you know you hear it bounced around or whatever and and as as I usually do, I mostly ignored it until I kept hearing and kept hearing. And probably by the time I heard all you guys can do by Friday talking about it, I figured, okay, maybe there's something I should pay attention to. I went from zero to sixty because I hadn't heard about it, and then by the next week, I was utterly addicted. Yeah, I think I think the problem was also that I like not that I ran out of podcasts in my queue because my podcast queue is gigantic, but sometimes I'm just not in the mood to hear one of the umpteen things that are queued up for some other podcasts. Sometimes I'm in the mood for something new. So it's like, what's what did somebody suggest? And so I just pull up an episode. I think I pulled up the episode you suggested. One, one of the ones. Um, Gregor or Rob? Yeah, I think Rob, because it was the Rob Cordier one, right? And like, I like the fact, I had surmised by that point that this is not like serial where it's like a bunch of things. So you can just grab a middle, anyone, like g- grab one. Like they're standalone. It's not a continuing story. Yes. Uh, except for insofar as it is a character arc with the some of the people involved. But so I just grabbed that episode and listened to it and. You know, my first impression was like, um, oh, another show that wants to be this American life. What is this is what we need. This is what the world needs. Another slightly where he was, less where he was one of their best contributors. I know, I know. Well, but it's like it's it's very straightforwardly that. But uh-huh. eh, maybe like it's it's different enough. Like at first, I thought, oh, this just isn't quite as good. It's not. It's like the B plus game instead of the starting A-game. with Rob. You didn't. Rob didn't move you. I was, it's fun. Like I, I you know, I. I get what the show's doing. I did not know where that story was going to go, and my, my that's how my daughter got into it. Was she was like, "You've got, we've got to find out what happens with the arm." Mm-hmm. Interesting, because I, I I had a similar thing where I started listening, and really now I'm listening to two, listening to it for two weeks. It's not like I'm any veteran of this. Two weeks, three weeks, but um, <clears throat> at first I thought, "Oh yeah, it's that one guy. It's the guy from that thing." Of course, what I remember him best for two stories. Um, the Mean Girls episode of TAL where he talks about Jackie for the first time. And uh, he also does another very famous This American Life. Do you remember You and the Little Mermaid can go after yourself? I sure do. Hey, okay. refer- referenced in the live version of Heavyweight. I'm like, oh, that's where I that's know this him. guy from. Yeah. It's <laughs> back in La Jolla. Goodbye. Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing about like, so I listened to that one episode. I'm like, well, it's like this American life, maybe not quite as good and maybe with a slightly different oh, angle. But the stuff with needling Rob about his hula lessons, you didn't think that was or like the jokes but, about well, Jonathan vaping? Like, 
but like what I had to admit to myself after listening to the first episode is that, uh, you know, uh, neurotic Jewish people doing this type of thing is that's my jam. Like <laughs> those, those are my people. Yeah. Uh, I relate to that. That's the type of thing that I like. And even if, you know, even if I've heard it before, <laughs> I, would, I would like more of it. Like, yeah, it's, I, it's a thing I like. I have to admit that to myself. It's a thing I like. Right. So. Uh, so, you know, I started pulling episodes kind of randomly out of order, looking at the descriptions, trying to find ones I like as sort of fillers. And you come to kind of, you know, get to know and like the guy and recognize his weaknesses, uh, as compared to the other people you've heard do similar things. But Mm -hmm. really what the reason I put it in. The notes here is not so much like, oh, here's a cool podcast that we're all listening to. Well, uh, can, can we compliment it a little bit more? Because I, I would like more people to get into this show if they have it. Sure. Just sure. real quick. Just real quick. Um, you can jump in anywhere because they are they are all freestanding. What is funny is that I did I was not a listener to Wiretap, and I had to go find a rogue feed of Wiretap to listen to his old CBC show Wiretap. But Jackie Gregor, like all these people, were on that show too. Gregor has many appearances. I I would have to say I would start with the episode called Gregor, which is episode number two. Um, and I mean, the thing that I think, um, my daughter loves it. We'll listen to like three in an afternoon. She loves it. But some of them are, um, somewhere between quite sad and extremely moving, but also kind of sad. There are some that are very, uh, as you say, affecting. Did you hear Jesse? Did you hear one about the car? Yep. That was a, that was a hell of an episode of podcasting. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I feel like when they try to get more serious is where their weakness mm-hmm. uh as compared to this american life is most highlighted because it's very difficult to do that and the show i think is as at its best when it's being lighter but i those I, I agree i sense. said to ellie i wish there were more of these because I, i've heard most of them and so i'm trying to find the ones that i know are funny like like rob and gregor and like <clears throat> like uh oh the, the most recent one uh where gregor's back the one with mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the, the mullet, rollerblading guy, the rollerblading rollerblading guy. guy. Yeah. that is when the show is kind of at its if not at its best at least at its most you know uh, easily extremely funny and yeah. you know he's just anyway i just want to sell the show a little bit as i like to do sometimes jonathan goldstein is very very funny and he has i i really i want to do a whole show just about what this guy and his team get right about this kind of podcast because they make it look so easy and it is not so easy. I do not want to spoil the effect for you, but I want to tell you some things I love about this show. This show is impeccably edited, but the editing is in the service of what's being said. It's not just editing to add in a little ukulele song. So like something like a lot of his shows take place over a telephone, sometimes in, in person, but the bit where somebody will ask him a question and then he, he basically, you can see him practically turning to the imagined camera and addressing his answer to us the way he does that is masterful. The way he edits, they edit the three acts down to the fact that he always makes a joke about the sponsors and talks about deals. Yeah, he's pretty good. he's awfully good at what he does. And even though he is a self-aware, neurotic Jewish guy from Canada doing it, he really nails it. You 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 really know this character. Bring it in, Jackie, at the top of every call, Jackie Cohen. Like I, I just think this is. I, if you ask me, and I said this to Roderick, just uh, I think on our episode on Monday, I will sometimes grudgingly listen to shows that have an outline if I really, really, really like the people. But I generally like shuck and jive shows. But sometimes I come across something where I feel like I don't want to oversell this, but this is my idea of a very good, if you're going to listen to like a AAA podcast, like a good podcast that like middle-aged white people listen to, like this is a very good show. That's all, all the sales I wanted to make. 
Yeah, I, I feel like he is a an interesting middle ground between Hourglass and David Sedaris. Because David Sedaris does this type of thing better, for sure. And Hourglass does that other type of thing better, oh, for sure. Interesting, but okay. he does have his own, like, that middle point is a separate thing. It is not, like, it is its own thing. Uh, and uh, everything you pointed out about how the shows are constructed, I mean, if you know the form, you see the seams. But it's still it's still well done. What uh, do you mean the seams? Just, like, at a certain point, you can kind of, you can kind of predict... The beats and how it's going to go and which particular joke he's going to make and which thing is going to be re-mentioned in about five minutes, right? Like, you know, the the setup, you can, that's what I mean about seeing the scenes. I still enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's, that's the whole thing. Like, I see the setup and I know how it's going to come, but I still enjoy it. And I find it endearing and he's very clever. Um, But like, I feel like David Sedaris is more clever and more biting and Ira Glass is... Uh, able to pull off the heavier stuff better and his crew and all the people who, you know, work on this. And like, but he's, he's so, this, it's a continuum. And so, Jonathan Goldstein could not do the Mike Daisy episode. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that is, that is a real piece of work. And, and a lot of the other episodes where, where there's, you know, like, the, like the car crash episode, right? That's hard to pull off. And I, it, he's maybe not as up to the task as, you know, uh, it still, still makes for an interesting podcast. Or but okay. I, anyway, like I, 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 I mostly in, got into the show. The reason I kept listening to it is because I uh, title aside, which I don't think makes much sense. And it's not a bit really of sense. It's a one. terrible title. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, not, there, it's, it's a good, in, it's a good title. Well, but, but he, it's like Patriot. Never it's, it it's no, I would say it's up there in bad, not as bad as Patriot. Patriot is the most inappropriate, poorly thought out idea for that show. There could be not least of which is there's already a very popular football team with that name. They should but just call it Sad Spots. Patriot makes sense in the context of the show. Yeah. Maybe. Like it's that, you know. So he's doing these things out of a sense of duty to his country and his, and and his family. You know, like there's family. at least first heavyweight. I don't think ever made that connection even that close to. Yeah, I have no idea what it means. Why? Like, why is the show? Go- I. I mean, I get what they're going for. It's heavyweight it's in terms of like. This, we're talking. We're talking about heavy stuff, man. Things that are weighing on you, but it's not. Mm. Anyway, like whatever. I think it's a good title, just in isolation. If there's a podcast called Heavyweight, it's catchy or whatever. Um, good but, theme song but, too. Good theme song. Oh god, it's driving me nuts. I can't. No, nope, don't. Nope. The fact <laughs> it's, it's the in same my head song all the time. The fact it's the same song on every show. Like it would be fine if it didn't have to see the lyrics on the on the the end of the show. If, if it was it's like just hilarious like, worlds of depression, though. It like really or like uh, Roderick would hate me to say this, but like it's a departure on my bim bam. It's it really becomes a part of your experience of the show. I think. Yeah, it becomes a part of experience that I do not like. Oh, I I don't mind the tune at the beginning, but the singing at the end, I need to quick find like the next end. Wow. <laughs> Nope, I can't. I, and I know the weaker fans. I think I've heard that song They're before. It's just yeah. not not for me. All right. Well, we learned why you don't like this podcast you like. No, no. But here's something I want to tell you why. Why? Would you the, like, the thing. John Syracuse, would you like to tell people what the premise of the program is? It's hard to say what the premise is, but no, what not. I take from what I take from the show mm. is that almost all the stories are about revisiting something that happened in someone's past it that says, was significant. Says, so you're being just... No, that's right on the tin. It's it's the point. Somebody, well, the the pre, the premise and the what's that word? I'm trying to find the artifice, the conceit. The conceit of the mm-hmm. show is everybody has a point in their life that they look back on and go, "That's where everything went wrong." What if I could redo that moment and make it different? Now, 
they take tremendous liberties with that conceit. Yes, that's but the basic exactly conceit right. is that for the conceit, the conceit for the show to work is my life could have been different if I had done this one thing differently. Or it's something that you regret or mm-hmm. remember or like it's, but it's something about, you want to do over. Yeah. Yeah. It's about revisiting the past. Like regardless of Correct. what, what your Correct. goal is, is like, this is the thing that happened in the past and you're going to revisit it. And obviously you're not going to revisit something trivial from the past. You're going to revisit something that was meaningful in the past. Now, what is your point of revisiting? Are you revisiting it to heal? Are you revisiting yes. to remember? Are you revisiting to clarify? Uh, like all they, they they cover all that. Are you just are you just revisiting not to feel bad anymore? Is your reason for thinking this needs to be? I mean, one thing that comes up in a lot of them is the turns out of like, oh, this didn't happen the way I remember it happening, and I've been feeling this weird way about this for either the wrong reasons or inappropriate reasons, or I've I've tortured myself for no reason, or no, actually, I was a real jerk in this and didn't realize it. So I think one way they have fun with the conceit is, and there's, of course, this is editing and storytelling, but they, they do they do take it in different directions that can be a little bit surprising. Yeah, I think the, the most interesting aspect of the show and the way that the host's personality comes through the strongest and gives it a unique flavor is that, so, you know, this is a show about revisiting your past. You've got your host, you know, who's going to be funny, but also going to be with you on this journey and help and out yeah, and everything. And the conceit is also that he's, he's is uniquely poorly suited to the task as he is. But yes, he's your fixer. Yes. He's your fixer to, like, make this, to get right, this thing worked right. out. So, like, you have your your guide on this journey into your past is not only perhaps not the best guide, but perhaps not even aligned with your interests. Because the interest of the host is to make a good podcast. And your interest may be like to reconcile or to find out the truth of a situation. And he kind of wants something to happen that makes for a good podcast, which may not be right. what you want to happen in revisiting. So he's not that he's working against you, but he is his own agent. In, in this activity, either through his limited competence in what he's asked to do or through his actual competence in, I have to make this into a good podcast. I don't really care what your goals are. Right. Back. But but again, in the conceit, the, it's his foibles that are sometimes sort of challenging. Yeah, but yes. so, some of the some of the funniest parts, I think, are where there ends up. You know, like John Cleese always says, it's one thing to watch. You know, it's, it's funny to watch somebody acting like an idiot, but it's even funnier to watch somebody watch somebody else being an idiot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there are these little triads that form on the show where it brings out the worst in everybody to great mm-hmm. comic effect. For sure. Yeah, definitely the Gregor angle. On Gregor, <laughs> Gregor seems hard to be Gregor's friend. This is the, it's the, it's the, uh, there's always a bigger jerk theory of uh, But it would be appropriate for me to ask if I could leave some urine in your toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh god you're getting hit him uh gregor and moby all in the same room it's just oh my god a festival of, of awkwardness i'll stop i'll stand i'll stop interrupting you i just want to make sure that we're making a case that like there, this is this is worth worth checking out but yeah to your point <clears throat> the basic the basic thing that happens then is like what what well stated or unstated is that if you could do some kind of time travel is the wrong word, but like if you could go back into this dark inky past that has been bothering you, something that's been bothering you for even decades, could you go back and fix it? Or could you go back and address it? Or could you go back and no longer have that terrible feeling that you have about it? Yeah. And I, th- I think this is a couple of the episodes lean on this a little bit and at least one subverts it. Um, the, uh, and you mentioned it before, the thing I enjoy most is when, you know, so some, someone has a story about something that happened in the past. Sometimes their child does, sometimes they're, you know, young adult or whatever, and they they describe it to you. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's the setup. And then we're going to we're gonna take this journey back and we're going to either find those people again and ask them about it or, you know, we're going to do something related to it. And as as you said, 
very often the the way it turns out is not the best for the show, but more true to reality in in that how the person described the thing is not how it went down at all. So, uh, you know, they'll give an example about this thing happened to me when I was a kid and these people were super mean to me and I don't understand why. And if you ever hear that story from someone in real life, what you tend to think, or at least what, what I tend to think from, you know, actual people is like, you know why? Like, you that's the story you're telling me. Mm-hmm. But it's either because you don't want to admit to me or even maybe you don't want to admit to yourself that, like, it's explicable. It's not like this inexplicable thing happened to you. There's a reason. And either you've forgotten that reason or you're just not telling me that reason because it's embarrassing. Like, everyone wants to give the side of the story where they're the hero, they're the, the hero or they're in the right or they're the, the victim of the yeah. evils. And they're just like, I just never understood what happened. And very, very often these stories, like, it would be better if there was some mysterious, terrible thing we, and the true secret is revealed. But most of the time on this show, like, the reality is, oh, it's it's pretty explicable why that went down. Now, maybe they, you were still wronged in a terrible way, but feigning like complete surprise that like i can't understand what could possibly happen like information is omitted because that's what people do when they tell you a story about their past even if it's the story about their past as in this is what happened with the co-workers this afternoon they're always going to leave out the part that yeah. makes them look bad especially 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 the, the two funny directions on this show and in life is that how often men grossly overestimate some kind of injustice that was in that was visited upon them or how they were misunderstood and how often uh, women beat themselves up for decades over something that was sometimes just a misunderstanding, but like it's, it's, it isn't totally gendered, but do you know what I'm talking about? Like men are always yeah. like, man, that chick was whack. And women are like, Oh my God, what if I, I shouldn't have worn that sweater that one day. Yeah. Or they, or they don't like, or like, I don't want to ruin the, the, the plot points of a few of the things, but like the mullet, mullet guy's a good example of what you're describing for sure. Yeah, the mullet guy I just kind of felt bad for the the the, the woman whose friends uh, vandalized her house. Yes, like it was very prosaic and explic- explicable reasoning, but she had spun it into this whole. She's the one with the kid, right? Yeah, she had spun. Oh, that was so a little good. bit painful that the kid there, she, but she had spun it into this whole thing. Like there's some sort of. It's like no, just if you just thought about the facts that surely you knew, right? Mm-hmm. Or the the basketball woman and her her yeah. nana or whatever up in yeah. Canada. Yeah, that's the other thing that drives you nuts is the accents, the Canadian His Canadian accents in the show. I cannot even me. imagine you make it through one episode. It's really How does he say garage? I garage. Know, it was a bunch. There's a bunch of words that he that he had in there. Oh, it was the I, I put them in in one of our Slack channels. Uh, the one I learned, of course, is is Montreal with the first syllable sounding like the word hunt, but with an M in front of it. Montreal. M- Yep. What the hell is Montreal, people? <laughs> I know that's how all the people from Montreal say Montreal. But, but it's like, not even it's, it's not even the weird Canadian. Like, actually, we were talking about this today on the way to the poll about the, the different kinds of sorry. Like, the way you say sorry in America, the way you say it in England, sorry, the way yeah. you say it in you know, sorry in, in Canada. But, like, it's not even the stuff you're used to hearing. Like, you know, yeah, it's a weird, this weird savory with a U or something. <laughs> very and the thing is he gets other people on the show who are his friends who are from and they all say it that way and you start to feel crazy yeah (laughs) (laughs) you really gotta be in your bonnet for this pronunciation yeah yeah no it's 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 in the topic list it's in the topic list yeah Uh, but yeah so like I, i enjoy that about the show that like that it doesn't force what's not there that it allows you to see that when people tell you about their past, they are not a reliable narrator. Right. Uh, and they're going to paint themselves in either in the best light or they're going to pretend things have a deeper or more dramatic significance. And maybe that's part of that is in the edit. It's hard to tell mm-hmm. in, in various cases, which is why the one episode that subverts this is such a triumph 
uh, I don't want to say which one it is because it'll be too many spoilers, but like there's an episode in which, uh, you know, someone's telling a story and is, you know, and it's slightly like, contradicted not, by everybody. Th- that's not, that's not how it happened because in so many of the stories, eventually mm-hmm. you see that's not actually how it happened. That's just, that's just how you're telling the story. If you, 30 if you years had later. asked me halfway through the second act, I would have said, absolutely. It didn't happen. That person totally remembered it wrong. I was I, I I saw the turn coming, but I was afraid it wasn't going to come. And I was rooting for it, and when it came, I was excited. Oh, was me too. Like, yes, get a speech yes. ready. Yeah. And so uh, the topic thing we were going to talk about was having to do with revisiting the past. Which weirdly, when you texted me about that, or I saw this, I was thinking how much it reminds me of what we'll end up talking about with homecoming. I think in a weird way. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get too much overlap with the most Mostly I'm thinking of it like we've talked about this before and you've mentioned it many times in passing on podcasts and, and uh, like I, I'm sure this is the universe would be like things that happened to you decades earlier that you yeah. replay that your mind replays for you like a sick home movie at 3 a.m. You're like, why? Why brain? Why? Is it really time to revisit something that happened in third grade again? Mm-hmm. Like, do we, like where, where do you want to go for dinner? Where do you want to go for dinner? Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm expendable. Mm-hmm. I'm still thinking about yeah, why, it. Why, why did I say why that? Why did I say that when I was 14? Yeah, it just you know, and so that that that's a minor thing. But even even more dramatic things, and I, we all do that to some degree. But I was trying to think about the stuff like if you know if Jonathan Goldstein comes to you and says we're going to do a heavyweight episode about you, Merlin Man, um, you're not going to and and you're and but give us some ideas, some things from your past. If mm-hmm. you pitch him the expendable thing, he's like, no, nah, that's not a show, right? He's not going right. to, that's no good, right? I'll tell you what, buddy, mine would have changed at various points in life. The ones that I would have given you 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago versus now would have changed so much. Well, so do you so have much. one in, in mind now? Like you got to pitch Jonathan well, Goldstein. I mean, I'm your, never going to talk about my fears and anxieties. I can't do that. But what I will tell you is, and this is maybe it's partly being acquainted with people like you or listening to shows like this that did it, but as as I think I've said to you privately, I'm very um, somewhere between aware and sensitive to the middle-aged man problem of feeling underappreciated. And I've, I've seen it in myself, and I've seen my history of aggrievement. And now that I'm aware of it and see it, I not only try not to do it or uh, rep it, but like now when I see it, I'm like an ex-smoker. And now when I see it, I'm like, oh, don't do that. Like, don't, don't go further with this thing about how you were mistreated by a woman. Like, don't do that. Like, are you, are you sure? And even if you are sure, are you, sh- is sure, you sure you want to keep going with that? Because that would have been so many, so many of mine would have been about how, even though I was absolutely the shit heel in that relationship, I have an agreement about how I was treated. That would be an ongoing one. Um, things like that. I'm trying to think of ones. What about you? What's a, give me a general, you don't get, don't be specific, but like, yeah, I, I was trying to think of, uh, like I have lots of, uh, lots of expendable ones like you, like lots of the, the minor stuff, the yeah. things you replay, but, th- but there, there's no show out of that. Like I can see the thing. Okay. That's great and all, but you can't, we can't get any, it's not a, it's not a 30 minute episode. You need to have something more dramatic to have happened. The best one I could probably come up with is mm-hmm. like, you know, my, my experience being bullied as a kid mm-hmm. and the like persistent revenge fantasies, uh, surrounding that. And I think it would make it for a good revisitation because those people, like some of those people are dead from heart attacks or, you know, whatever, or like they're all like old and fat now and they're just like happy family men, right? Like re- basically revisiting the people who bullied you, mm-hmm. who probably don't remember you because 
they 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 were so much more significant in your life than you were in theirs. Oh, it's right? a it's and, a it's a Kavanaugh thing all over again. You know, you they they they've beat up a, or bullied a million people, and they're not going to remember all those. But you're going to remember all those indignities. He remembers. No, it's not <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that, it, that, that's the best I can come up with because my life obviously not that dramatic, right? Um, well, I, it, I, I I can think of one thing that's that's interesting just in this sense. It's like there's a certainly a, a pattern where I could probably, if I if I had to, or at least privately, I could definitely get into specifics. But uh, just the superset of times where where what ended up was a misunderstanding or a rift, and uh, what I would generally diagnose as I could have been I could have been more kind in that situation. For example, now, even with that said, my diagnosis of that would be so different at different parts of my life. Cause of course the ongoing narrative of every, every man is like how misunderstood he is. And so like at, at different times in life, I would wish for a different outcome of, Oh, you, I'm not misunderstood. Right. That would be the younger version of me is like, yeah, you agree that I was right. Right. Whereas like today I think about, wow, I wish I could undo damage from 20 to 35 years ago by having been kind at the time. So almost all of that, even though it feels like the same anecdote, the diagnosis and treatment are very, very different. In order to have a different treatment, you must have a different diagnosis. And if your diagnosis for everything is, well, I'm the rollerblading mullet guy and I can't understand why people are mean to me. Like, you know, it takes, sometimes it takes time and age and self-awareness to realize. And like, you know, would you really, like, so you got this guy who's got like, He's like buying those catheters off of MSNBC and he's got the diabetes. Like, you know, do you really want to go and like kick that guy's ass now? Like, probably not. Like, what would that fix? Yeah. And and I I think a lot of the stuff you're talking about would be kind of like the Jesse story. But instead of focusing on Jesse, focus on the other direction. Like, you'd start with the, mm-hmm. the driver of the car. Right. You know, this is a situation where someone gets into a car accident and we follow the victim and the eventually meeting of the person who drove the car, which is a dramatic thing in itself, but we start with the victim. Absolutely, right? so, yes. So imagine you start with the driver. Who, you it's know, like it's like, just repeated turns and surprises to like, oh, this is absolutely not what I would have sought out or expected from this. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of the scenarios that you were talking about, like it, it turns out that you may have been the driver in those things. So you're not going there to like, <laughs> right? That's that's a good way to put it. I thought I was the bicyclist and I was actually the T-boner. You're right, and and in the end, the meeting of those yeah. it's, it's still dramatic, and there's still like it's not it's fairly even footing. Surprisingly, when when they meet, right? Because the the trauma is not unidirectional by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and there's there's a meeting of the minds there, but like, yeah, no one is. No one in that scenario is looking to uh, relitigate or assign blame or anything like that, which could have been the case. But, it, it, you know, it, in, in that moment, it's like who who was the driver and who was the victim, right? hundred um, percent. I'm thinking now, I'm, what was the episode called? God, why can't people make decent podcast pages? Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God, okay. Why can't they have really uh, good, memorable, explicable titles like ours? Well, I'm like, and sometimes they... Uh, Okay, so the one with the woman with the garage door and the kid. Yep. Like yep. now, me personally, uh, most of the I, I I wish uh, I hate when people say this about people who make stuff. I wish he made more funny ones. I, I just because that's the ones I really enjoy, and my daughter mm-hmm. and I enjoy. I love the funny ones. I do like, but I would say of the ones that are not the funny ones, I think that one was very very good because it had levels to it. It had the the kid. It had the whole like in the studio thing, and then it had the evolution. And I'm sure some of this could be a villain edit. 
we had you know, got the evolution just within like a very few minutes of like, what are our anticipations about the woman that they're going to talk to? How is she going to respond? And at first she's real, real quiet, mm-hmm. kind of tight lipped and very mannered. And then where it ends up, I thought was very, I thought it was super interesting. And then there's another turn and I'm spoiling it a little bit. There's another turn with the kid a little bit. And like, I don't know. I thought that was as public radio type storytelling goes. I thought that was a very successful episode. Yeah. And, yeah, the, and I, the evolution of the woman and like how she wants to seem to her kid. Like there's a fair amount for this, whatever, this dumb 40 minute show. There's a, I think there's a lot of sophistication to how that story gets told. Yeah. I felt like the, the relationship between the woman and her son was the most interesting aspect of that. Mm-hmm. They could have gone deeper into that and set aside the whole, because again, the, the explanation of what happened is so boring and anticlimactic. And really it's what you care more about is the, the interaction MacGuffin. That, it ends up that in that one, it end, ends up being kind of a MacGuffin. Yeah, or or like another another MacGuffin, or not maybe not a MacGuffin, but a, a situation in which the you chase it down, and what it ends up being is not what you really care about. Is the sorority episode where the fun part is just dealing, trying to deal with the sorority. That people. yeah, they get the mystery. That was so crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you ever listen to Mystery Show? Uh, I don't think so. Well, I don't want to get super into it, but there is. And I have only the very slightest bit of insight info on this, and I'll just leave it at this. Gimlet also had the wonderful um, This American Life alumna, Starley Kine, do a show called Mystery Show um, before that preceded Heavyweight. Uh, and boy, is there ever drama about this. Um, and so basically, Starley Kine was, one, I think, one of the early Gimlet shows, by the way, a company with 100 employees in Brooklyn. Um, but Starley Kine had this wonderful show called Mystery Show. Very, I highly recommend the Britney Spears episode. And she basically would help people come to her or find people, you know, in the, in the conceit of this show, people need help from Starley Kine to solve a mystery that cannot be solved by looking for things on the internet. She helps solve a human mystery. And she and Gimlet rather dramatically parted ways. And there was certainly a big dust up about that. And then I think running somewhat contiguously after, but people have strong feelings about heavyweight's role at Gimlet vis-a-vis Starly Kine. But, well, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know about any of this drama. But that said, Mystery Shows were really good. Go listen to that Britney Spears episode. It's amazing. Um, so basically somebody... Was, some, she, was she better at it than Jonathan Goldstein in terms of actually finding things out? Well, I think the first thing you notice with her, so Starly Kine is like, she's one of the OGs, like really good people on TAL. Um, but, you know, the, the basically what the, one of the, I think the most famous episode, uh, gosh, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but a friend of hers is a writer and uh, there's a photograph, I believe, of Britney Spears reading her fairly obscure book on a plane. And <laughs> she's an author of very little renown and, re- <laughs> and um, acclaim. And was the, the book right is, side up or upside down? <laughs> I think it was right side up. Um, and so, yeah, the mystery is like, what in the hell? How did Britney Spears find out about my fairly obscure book? And so that's that episode. So I, I just mentioned it for a couple of reasons. One, because it should be acknowledged that there is absolutely some real drama about this show in the Gimlet Pantheon. Um, but also that Mystery Show was really good. If you like Heavyweight, I think the episodes are still up if you want to go back and listen to Mystery Show. There's not that many shows like this that pull this off. There's a lot of people who try to do this. They do the podcast voice and they've got the Casper and everything. But like, I don't know. I think... Um, I think a lot of these people, they really did hone their chops at TAL. And yeah, it's, it's a family tree. You can see the family right. tree tracing down from, from uh, This American Life down to the, I'll the put it, satellite I'll put, I'm pretty sure it's out there. I'll put it in notes if I can find it. The other thing I was going to say is, have you heard any recent uh, interviews with David Sedaris? 
I heard his most recent one. Uh, yeah, it was fa- fairly recent. Fresh uh, Air? Actually, it was the one where they asked him, did you think your, uh, did you imagine your yes. life would turn out this way? And he's like, yep, this yeah. is how I expect, this is how I wanted it to be. <laughs> I wish, what was the phrasing? It was something along, it was basically like asking him, is is being a famous author as good as you expected? And he's like, oh he's god, like, yep, yes. exactly. That's exactly what. That's exactly <laughs> how I want it. It's a real. I'll try to find that for notes too. Uh, another good one is this English guy Adam Buxton does a show uh, where he somehow manages to get these amazing guests. He got uh, Edgar Wright and Charlie Booker and uh, David Sedaris was on an episode fairly recently. And David Sedaris has evolved into a very good interview. He didn't used to be, you know, he used to be he had his bits, but now he goes into his process and talks about how he like, it's super interesting to hear him talk about his process at this point as a famous writer who picks up trash all day as, as his avocation. Yeah. Have you ever seen him live? Yes. Yeah, he, he does similar things to the live shows where it's like there's the part where he's doing his performance, then in between that, it's still him up there, and he's telling you, uh, you get to see the the meta commentary before he goes into the next section of his work, which is always He fun. is, as my late grandmother would say, as nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. He's just, he's just quivering the whole time. He's just, I don't know if it's coffee or nerves, but like, he's he's a very interesting character. Yep, um, he's, he's one of my favorites. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I remember when Sandland Diaries was on Morning Edition, the Bob Edwards years in the 90s. I was just, I was instantly addicted. Mm-hmm. Um, but his, uh, the, the Adam Buxton one is really good too. Cause he talks about his, like, uh, I want to say almost a mania for cleaning up litter. Like he got an award, for, <laughs> he had, got to meet the queen, <laughs> like a reception. Yeah, well, you know, he's, he's definitely someone with some issues, let's say. And it's yes. amazing that the outlets they find fittingly are so strange <laughs> of all things, picking up litter. All right. I mean, if that's how this is going to manifest was, in your life. I, I want right. to say it wasn't barrel fever. It might have been me talk pretty one day, but there was the one, the, the anic- basically talking specifically about his OCD when he was a teenager. And mm-hmm. it's so funny and so painful. Just talking about having to like touch, touch the doorknob, touch the frog, mm-hmm. lick the, you know, like, just all the stuff that he had to do over and over. And it's, he makes it funny, but like, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. What was my point in saying that? Uh, this American life is good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do. It's funny. I, I don't, we'll save homecoming, obviously, for next time. But like, uh, I, you know, I applaud a piece of popular culture uh, when it provokes my thoughts about uh, sometimes you get this with good sci-fi. But like, something you should go, hmm, you know, that really makes me think about how this whole, this whole era uh, or this whole like um, aspect of our self-consciousness works. Which yeah, is I definitely, the, uh, uh, I, th- I feel like it's not floating, it's not right on the surface, but I feel like that's a big theme in Homecoming. And certainly that's a big one here. Like, wh- what do we really know about ourselves? Like, all the stuff that we've self-identified and self-diagnosed as our problems, quote-unquote, most of which we think were visited upon us by others. Like, how accurate is our reckoning of that, let alone what we perceive to be the way to fix it? That's what I think is the the biggest strength of it. Right? Not that this is the world's most lit original premise, but the the idea that... Everybody has something, uh, so many things, some of them actually maybe potentially big in their life, in their past that they think about a lot. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, it's just, you know, like you know, pop culture Roderick. therapy. And that revisiting it in some therapeutic way can be a way to make progress rather than just turning it over in your mind for like 30 for 35 years, you're wondering about this thing. And like, if it takes some silly podcast to make you do that, like, mm-hmm. Because you know, it's not, it's, there's no problem finding people who have it. Everybody's got something like that, whether or not it makes a good podcast or yeah. not. Is, you know, and the interesting thing, like I said, is that 
the podcast is not necessarily invested in in your successful therapy. It is partially invested in being a podcast and partially invested in perhaps helping you, which is part of the fun, which is why it's best when it's doing lightweight things and not like revisiting the, you know, <laughs> your childhood molestation or something, right? Yes. Like there's the show has its limits and, mo- and mostly stays within them. But that I think is, is interesting is I think it's why people like the show because lots of people can relate and you are, you're instantly hooked and you want to know how this works out for this person. And the show is, is good to its credit about, like I, I say that you know the show is perhaps not aligned with the guest interest, but it's clear that the show has affection for the people that it's trying to help, even if it is trying to help in a slightly impish way at various times. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not laughing at the people. Well, it's also I feel like there are there's more than one episode that contains different flavors of of on the one hand catharsis, and on the other hand, how do you describe it? But you know, you know the feeling of completing. Maybe not you, but. Uh, there's a very special feeling that comes from driving yourself insane with anxiety about something you've been procrastinating doing anything about. And then the feeling that you have once you've done that and going, oh my gosh, I, on the one hand, I'm so happy that that was easier than I would have imagined. And on the other hand, I'm so frustrated with myself that I spent years procrastinating about that. And I think there's more than one episode of this where you go like, you know, there is hope in the world. Call your mom. Like, you know what I mean? Something as simple as like, God, it would not be that not be that hard for me to pick up the phone and just say to somebody like i know we haven't talked in a while i'm thinking of you like it doesn't have to turn into anything else but i feel like this is that kind of show where like and i don't mean just strictly in like in in a hallmark way but more in like gosh you know i think of myself as such a smart person and yet i let myself be painted into all these corners with my own brain see also john roderick like i should be able to like either not have this feeling or not be bothered by this feeling or to do something about changing the basis for this feeling. And yet here I am. And then I I think there's something that's just basically human about hearing that like, it's not going to be settled forever, but there can be this little, one little bit of weight that is lifted by addressing it through an interlocutor, like a, Mm -hmm. how does he pronounce that? Interlocutor? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He does it in his own way. Yeah. It gets better every time. Uh, I think I think the fact that it's a podcast like that that strangeness like that most people don't aren't aren't compelled to revisit things in their past by being on a podcast like being a guest on a pod being the subject of a podcast mm-hmm. that weird premise jolts people who are in exactly the fix you just described where this this is thing that you have anxiety about but you will never actually do anything about it it just goes over and over and around and around yes this jolts them out of that cycle and it's like now we're going to force you to do stuff like now it's you're going to have to be public about it. You're going to have to talk about it. You're going to have to be on a show where you have little control over how it's done. It's just, this is going to make you do the thing that you've never done before, which is not something that people can expect and is not perhaps the best tool, but, but that's, that's the show. Right. Uh And so it, it kicks people out of their stupor and makes them do this stuff. Very often at the end, I think there's no way they ever would have done this without the show. And also they will quickly revert to their, their other ways once the show is done, because it's clear that they're, their inherent nature has been revealed, which is part of the fun of the show. And their inherent nature is not to solve this problem, but to quickly retreat to their old habits and uh, and views of things, which is a shame. But then we don't get to hear that part of it. But right. th- I think that's, that's that that rings true to me as well. That the show doesn't make doesn't make you truly believe. And this problem was solved for them forever, thanks to the show forcing them to confront their whatever, whatever. Nope, you usually don't believe that. Yeah, but you do see in a classic storytelling way, a change in the character one 
way or another. And sometimes it's even just a little surprises, like what happens in the titular episode with Gregor. Like he ended up, uh, even in that very kind edit, he ended up being a little different than I expected at the end of that in a way that like surprised and kind of delighted me. Like, obviously it's a bit, a lot of what he does is, is a bit, but I guess a lot of it's probably not a bit the way that he yeah, is. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing with confrontations is that, you know, you, you talk a big game when you're doing the pre-interview two weeks before, then but then when you sit mouthed. down, <laughs> yeah, then you sit down in front of Moby and then we'll see how it actually goes. Good thing that window couldn't open. That was a hell of a story. Yeah. I had to explain to my daughter who Moby is. <laughs> if someone could explain to me who Moby is, that would help. Aww. I mean, I know, but I'm just like, if you ask me to name a Moby song, mm-hmm. I don't I bet if you played me his famous songs, they'd be like, I've heard that song before, but I could not tell you a Moby song given just the word Moby. Like, I can't connect that dot. You know, there was a whole techno rat king around that time that's kind of confusing because you had him, you had... Um, Chemical Brothers? Yeah, I would put in Chemical Brothers. I would put in early Daft Punk. I would put in, not Air so much, but who's the other guy? Um, the guy from... Truck Stop Floor Mat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not a bad... You win this one. <laughs> Truck Stop Floor Mat. Is that right? Truck Stop Floor Mat? Yeah, no, no seriously, I, you, you really like them. They're really good. <laughs> see how the election's going one last quick check-in oh <laughs> looks like like Ted Cruz won yeah well uh, it's gonna be one of those millennia <laughs> how's Gillum let's check on Gillum that's going good let's check oh yeah Gillum is in jail <laughs> <laughs> obviously obviously tonight did not go the way that we had hoped if beyonce had worn the hat earlier it might have helped a little earlier than three thanks beyonce pound sign living your best life she she didn't want to uh end up backing a losing horse she wanted to wait to be sure that she was going to be a winning horse then she put the hat on no she went to pose and do a selfie next to the dead horse oh jiminy christmas 99 percent reporting ah <sighs> 